You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your hosts, Josh Furlong and Robert Jackson. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh Furlong, joined by co-host Robert Jackson. This week, we uh, we wanted to be able to meet up again with Solomon Enos, wide receiver at the University of Utah. Unfortunately, our schedules just didn't work out between us and him this week, um, and so we're, we'll, we'll, we'll get him next week. Uh, he definitely wants to be back on the show, and, and we want to make sure that we get him there and, and talk about the things that's going on at the U. So, uh, well, you, you, know what, you know what else didn't work out? Uh, was, Utah. uh, Utah's trip to Pas- Pasadena. Yeah, that, but, uh, it hasn't been good for them in Pasadena lately, has it? Uh, well, I mean, just the last two attempts um, between the Rose Bowl um, and the uh, UCLA game. And you look at this Utah game specifically against UCLA, and as we were talking right before the podcast, it was almost like this comedy of errors where you, you drop a would-be you know, red zone catch down to the 10-yard line, you throw a red zone pick, you fumble the football, you commit a, a costly personal foul roughing the passer on a questionable call near the sideline. And, you, I mean, regardless of all of that, you're still in the game. And so th- it's not like you have this – This um, it, 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 feel, it feels worse, I guess, than the outcome actually was because you were in that game the whole way. Uh, I mean, I guess it hurts just as much as the Florida game with the expectations of the season and, you know, could this be a a playoff team? Well, the answer is no. I mean, that, that kind of solidifies it. Uh, Now the team kind of moves forward to say, Hey, can we compete for a championship? And unfortunately it's, it's kind of out of their control. Uh, A lot of good teams still have to play, play each other. UCLA still has to play Oregon um, and USC. USC still has to play Utah. Um, So they, they do, they can still obviously compete for a spot in the Rose Bowl and and the uh, Pac-12 championship game, but unfortunately, it's kind of out of their hands as far as they can take care of business. They could do everything that they need to and still come up short because of the tiebreakers and whatnot. If Oregon, if you, um, if a few teams run the table, you know, I, I don't know how that would work. If uh, let's say you UCLA runs the table the rest of the way and uh, another Pac-12 team does. I don't know how all the tiebreakers work and whatnot, but uh, I think it's based on rankings or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, th- this is one of those scenarios where, you know, if if you Utah wants to get back to the Pac-12 championship, obviously the, the, the margin is razor thin. They essentially have to win their next six games. Um, so yeah. win out for the rest of the season, barring, barring you know, chaos happening in the Pac-12. But in a lot of ways, you need UCLA to win out, win out, you know, and, and and at least get get to the championship game and see them in a rematch, and and you know, I, I that that's not the only way that Utah can get there, but I think that's that's the scenario that they're in. You know, it, you went from being able to be one of the top teams in the conference, and at least people perceiving that, uh, to to being in a very precarious situation where your chance of, of returning into the, you know, the Pac-12 championship are, are really limited. And, and, and look, like, it's, it's funny here because Utah has been in the championship three of the last four years. The one year that they weren't in there was the COVID year, and, and, and you know, nobody's going to knock them for not getting in that year. So essentially in the last three seasons that really mattered, Utah's been there. So they, there's been this, this expectation that championships are, are kind of what is that expectation, that they have to be there. Now that they've won the championship – it's time to be able to go back and do it. And, and Rose Bowl start to become a thing where everybody says that that's kind of the expectations. And I'm not disagreeing, right? Like, I understand the situation. Like, at the beginning of the year, I truly believed that Utah had the talent and the team to be able to get there. I still think they do. The problem is, is they're not living up to that expectation. Granted, they've also lost Brent Keithy, which is a big blow to the team. And I think we're seeing it's it's a bigger blow to the team than we we realized. But the reality is the offense has actually been okay, right? Like they haven't been earth shattering and they haven't just, they haven't been as dynamic as last year, but they're still scoring at a high clip. They're still doing what they need to do for the most part. There's been, you know, issues and we can talk about that, but at the, for the most part, like they're doing their job. It's, it's the thing that, that we didn't expect. And yet we should have, it's the defense, right? The defense is really struggling, especially against a mobile quarterback you know, guys are out of out of position. Guys are overextending themselves. They're not doing the right thing. They're they're missing 
you know, the play call and they're not understanding where they need to be. And it looks like chaos out there, which is so unusual for this Utah team. And so I think that's what hurts the most is, is defense has always been that thing that you almost don't even have to write about it because it's like, oh, it's a Kyle Whittingham led defense. They're going to be fine. And so you kind of give them the, the benefit of the doubt, so to speak that, oh yeah, they lost Devin Lloyd. They lost Nephi Sewell. They lost Mika Tufua. They're going to be okay. They always, you know, next man up type mentality. But the reality is, is I think you're seeing a ton of youth on that front seven. You've got guys that aren't necessarily the, the same leader that Devin Lloyd is or was in the program. And you're, you've got a guys that are all kind of on the same level trying to do it. And it, it's just not working right now. Right. And I think that's, what's frustrating to people is to see that, to see such an undisciplined level of play on the defense and sure, they're going to blame Morgan Scally. They're going to blame a lot of people. They're going to blame Kyle Whittingham and, and all the other people. And, and you know, they have some blame in this as well. But the reality is, is like, this is a team that, that really is still trying to figure itself out, and we're six weeks into the season. And I think, you know, from what I've seen, that's the frustration with fans, and, and that's the frustration with a lot of people. But I, but I also think that there's, there's just not a spark. Am I wrong? No. So you, you look at the defense specifically because we'll, we'll get into the, the offense's inefficiencies in a little bit. But uh, from a defensive perspective, the, the, the main goal would be to keep everything in front of you, not to give up the big play. And time and time again, Utah gave up the big play to UCLA. I mean, we saw like uh, the game changing pass down the, uh, the left sideline that uh, the tight end ended up taking for a touchdown. We saw Carbon. Is it Charbonnet or Charbonnet? Charbonnet? Yep, Charbonnet. Charbonnet. Yeah, we saw him run for uh, two yards shy of 200. I mean, when was the last time Utah gave up 100 yards to a running back, let alone almost 200? I mean, that, that that was like such an anomaly. But And you look at over the course of the season against Florida, uh, 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 I would say poor to mediocre defense. Mm-hmm. You take away the two takeaway, the, the takeaway and the near takeaway towards the end. I mean, that, that defense is poor against Florida. And then you clean it up against Southern Utah. You clean it up against Arizona State. You clean it up against San Diego State. And, okay, Oregon State, everything's looking fine. And then you play a really good offense, and it's right back to the drawing board. And they were making the same mistakes where they're just trying to do too much. And, you know, is it that Devin Lloyd was – is I mean, that role that he – I mean, he's, he's knocking it out of the park for the Jaguars this year, and, you know, they're lucky to have him, but – is I mean, is it as simple as that? I mean, you know, I mean, Utah just lost a guy to the NFL. Like, they just, or is it more complicated than that? In the sense of, you have all of these players that are relatively young, trying to fit into a more complicated scheme. And like Utah's defense isn't easy. Uh, Utah does play a lot of man, but you can see the confusion when Utah would switch from man to a zone to try to confuse. Dorian Thompson Robinson and they were, they were confusing themselves. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they were giving up wide open uh, catches and it, it was very uncharacteristic, especially for the ground. Like, you know, historically Utah's given up its own through the air. And, and that's to be expected when you play man coverage on the outside, you're going to give up the big play, but Utah has never been gashed like that on the ground. And you, you look at what Oregon state did the week before granted Utah was able to, um, play the bend but no break specifically uh, against Oregon State where they allowed Oregon State to move the ball up and down the field but once they got in the red zone they were lights out and against UCLA that wasn't the case you know they would I mean they forced two punts on the first two possessions and I'm trying to remember if UCLA had to punt the rest of the game they had touchdowns every um, other drive except for one missed field goal and then they had that last the one they essentially had the interception yeah. so. so I mean that to me, says either UCLA adjusted to what Utah was doing, and then Utah never countered, or you know they found a weakness. And if well, well two credit, two credit, Chip Kelly, right? Chip Kelly has a a offense that is, you know, a lot of these guys have been in the system for a long time. I, I you know, Chip was getting a lot of of haters because it was taking so long to build it. But he's, he's stuck true with it. He's been able to, to stay with it. Dorian Thompson-Robinson has really developed into a phenomenal quarterback. But I think a lot of people aren't realizing that what makes Chip Kelly so successful is he works with tempo, right? And that absolutely was the perfect game plan 
to be able to work against this Utah defense. And so what happened is, is he's out there, you know, moving the ball really quickly. He's creating, you know, dirt, diverse play, play calls and trying to really utilize uh, DTR in a way that's going to miss, uh, mess up the defense. They're trying to, you know, disguise things uh, for him. But what the reality was is everything was being done to disguise stuff to really hurt Utah. And, and, and that's, that's the thing that is the most frustrating is, is you watch there and, and they're just out of place. They're not in the, the positions that they need to be in. They're not getting the play calls in correctly. And when they do get those in, they're not understanding what they need to do. One guy's going this way, the other guy's going that way, and then they leave an open middle of the field. And I think that's, that's the thing that happens, right? Like you have to credit UCLA here, right? They, they're a great team. They, they knew exactly what they needed to do. But then on the flip side, like, why isn't Utah prepared for that? They know Chip Kelly. They've seen Chip Kelly from his days in Oregon. Obviously, there was some time there. This is a new team, obviously, personnel-wise that way. But, like, that's that's where the disaster happened, right? Is, is Utah just looked like they weren't even prepared for this and thought that they could come out there with their base defense and expect to be able to disguise DT or, you know, disguise some blitzes or whatever it may be and then expect to be able to beat DTR and, and, and do all that. And, and the reality is, is Utah's just not in a position to do that especially with so many young guys on that, you know, defensive line and the linebackers. I mean, you even have a senior on that in the linebacker room, but he's coming into a new system. He was injured in spring. He, he comes in here. And this is no way to make an excuse for that defense. Other teams have been able to do this, but I think that's where we're seeing, you know, a Devin Lloyd who's, who's kind of demanding, uh, you know, attention to be able to say, hey, this is how we do it here. This is what we need to do. And in my conversations with a lot of players, that's that's kind of what they're missing, right? Is they're missing somebody that's there to just kind of give them that extra nudge that's not a coach. We, we all understand how coaches work, right? Like you, a coach can scream till they're blue in the face, but if it's a player, it's your teammate kind of helping you along, that helps a little bit more. And, and that's where they're missing it, right? Like there's a whole bunch of things that we can talk about here, but I think there is a lot of... Uh, there, there's a lack of leadership in the way that they need it, right? There's leaders out there. There's guys out there that are willing to talk and are doing it, but it's not translating on the field. And instead it just looks like chaos out there. And, and what's the fix, right? And so you, your, your test this week is an even better USC team. Granted you get it at home in a, in a, what should be a very hostile rice cycles environment, but it's like, you don't, <laughs> you don't dearly, <laughs> it's not like, you get a pass this week. I mean, that's going to be even harder this week against a very similar uh, offensive-minded head coach in Lincoln Riley. And he's got, I mean, a uh, uh, Heisman-type quarterback in Caleb Williams at his disposal, uh, a Heisman-type wide receiver in Jordan Addison, who they were able to get out of the transfer portal. I, I mean, it's unbelievable the talent that USC has. And you look at, you know, USC <clears throat> compared to UCLA and, Oh man, like <laughs> you'd have to say there's a reason why USC is ranked higher, right? Like they're the, um, the, now the PAC 12 favorite. Um, so we'll see how it goes on Saturday. We can talk a little bit more about the game and our preview, but there, there really isn't like a, an easy fix. I mean, they Kyle Whittingham in his press conference on Monday mentioned, Oh, we need to get to, you know, maybe more slants and stunts trying to confuse the defense and as confuse the offense, and it's like you you can do that when your defense is already kind of all on the same page, but when you are struggling to be in the right positions, I mean Utah's kind of watered it down as simple as they can, and guys are still uh, yeah. Uh, imagine out going of and position. adding like you know st- twists or something like that to to the defensive line to try to get them to get in there. They're not even aligned up in the right spot, so right. now you're adding more right. complexity to it. I mean, to me. Utah just needs to go in there and they need to know what system they're running and they just need to live with it, right? Like, I mean, in 2020, they knew that they couldn't go man coverage because they had a young secondary and so they had to do a lot of zone stuff, stuff that they didn't really do. They, they still run zone uh, schemes at different times, but it's not the primary thing that they do. And in, this, in that instance, in that year, they had to be able to scheme it differently. Right now, they're trying to stick with the exact same schemes that they've had for the last few years where they've had bigger bodies on the, in the trenches, they've had guys that were more experienced, and they're trying to do these things that are going to confuse a defense or an offense, but instead it's confusing the defense. And so it's right. one of those things where they just have to figure out what they need to be. We're six weeks into the season. It's kind of a little late, but they need to be able to figure that out. And, and until Utah can figure that out, they're going to be in a world of hurt, especially against these upper echelon teams like a UCLA or USC or even against Washington State, right? Like this isn't going to be a walkthrough up in Pullman for them. 
this is going to be a difficult scenario for Utah until they get that fixed. And, and and there's progress that can be made with the youth and being able to do that. But at the same time, like you don't have time for that. Your season is essentially on the line right now. Uh, And it starts with the, with the front seven. So uh, what, what can you do specifically to, to minimize the run game? USC is going to get, get its own through the air, right? You don't have the, yes, you have Clark Phillips and he's probably the best corner in the, in the conference. If not a contender for one of the best corners in the country, he's one guy, right? (laughs) He's one guy and Oregon USC is going to roll out four really, really good wide receivers. So if, if you're game planning against USC, you're going to say, okay, we're going to take away the what take away the run and yeah you're going to be able to pass against us but when you are one dimensional and we can kind of scheme it uh once you kind of get into the red zone it comes it gets harder and harder to pass right you just don't have the same room right so if you can take away the at least take away one of the strengths and USC's strength isn't running the football right now I mean, right? Travis so, Day has been good but yeah it's yes, not it's not been right. that strength when, when you compare it to you know the Heisman contender yes Correct. Travis Day is very good yes um but you know it's nowhere near the same scheme that they have for their their passing attack and and Lincoln Riley even in Oklahoma he loves he loves to pass it so It'll be it'll be an interesting dynamic because Utah's front seven just got beat up, and you look at the rushing yards that they've given up in these first six games. So they they gave up 283 to Florida, ouch. They gave up 43 to sub, and these aren't subtracting the, uh, or maybe they are subtracting yeah, the, the, uh, the, net the net yards. So 43 against Southern Utah, 113 against San Diego State, six against Arizona State, but a lot of that was sack yardage that got subtracted out. But then you really saw it turn the corner against Oregon State, 171. And then UCLA went up another level to 203. And when you're getting 4.6 to 5.3 yards a carry, it makes it very difficult as a defensive coordinator to try to scheme up anything because second, you're looking at second and five and third and one. And, and what do you do against that, right? Like you, you, you send the house and they throw an out route, you – you, you, you play a soft coverage on the outside and they just dink and dunk. I mean, it, it just seems like Utah thrives when it's second and third and long, and they haven't been able to, to force that because the front seven hasn't gotten that push. They haven't gotten the 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 run defense like they, they normally have, and there's not one thing like you could you could say okay the defensive line needs to needs to, to create more of a push i mean that's and that's true but the linebackers haven't been in position mm-hmm. when they have so. or they're stepping out of the way honestly like i mean right. there's times where they're just quite honestly letting that hole open up on their own and and taking themselves out of position that way right so it'll be yeah i mean you look at this this game specifically and as bad as they did they they were still in it right and there were three or four plays that I kind of circled as kind of the, the turning points in the game. One is like on the first, uh, was it the first drive of the game where Thomas Yasmin has the ball at the 10 yard line and that's drops a touchdown. wide open catch. That's honestly a touchdown. I mean, that's not, and if it's not a touchdown, he's tackled at the eight. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's so and much it's first easier. And goal, right? Uh, the second one is obviously Cam Rising's interception on the very next drive. Like, you know, Utah's moving the ball and they seem to have you know, uh, of resurgence of, um, Tavion Thomas, who played very well. Um, but he lacked the touches. He was out of shape as, as Kyle Whittingham mentioned post game. So you, 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 I mean, two, two drives, two mistakes right off the bat. And then all of a sudden you're in a hole and you're trying to, to, to recover and they were never able to gain ground. Um, it seems like every step forward that they had, UCLA had a counter step the rest of the way. Um, you know, the, the cam rising fumble on fourth and short, you know, that was, you know, a backbreaker because then they were able to go up two scores. And, and by then, quite uh, honestly, know? they were already dead, right? Like in my eyes, sure. they, it, it was just kind of like the, you know, you, it, you're, you're just stuck, right? Like you, you've done so, you've done so much to try to stay in that game. And then it was just like, we've already lost this. And then this is just adding insult to injury. So I, right. I yeah, I don't know. But the big one to me, and and we can talk more about the you know the kickoffs, you know, because uh, I know that you wrote an article on KSL.com. I want to give a plug for you and 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 that. But the big the big one for me is the personal foul on third down. You you get Dorian Thompson Robinson to throw the ball away. You're going to get the ball back on a punt, and you commit roughing the passer by shoving him out of bounds. And, and that's a controversial call, right? Like you know, could it have been? 
it was close, close to the sideline. I think that the refs, as we've seen in the NFL, they're always going to err on the side of caution for, you know, protecting the quarterback. Was it malicious? No, but it was a enough to turn a third or a fourth down opportunity to get the ball back into a first down for UCLA. And they ended up converting that into a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It was that mental error. And, and, and that's the thing is that we're talking and we're trying to hit home with this, with this defense is it's not, they're not being out physical. They're not being, you know, just bulldozed. It's, it, it's, it's mental, right? And, and how do you fix that? And uh, one of the interesting things that I saw uh, on social media is that Utah had to get rid of their sports science department. And I know that that's been a big emphasis on, you know, player psychology and mentality. And maybe we do a deep dive on this one day on the podcast, but Utah got rid of it. Um, the the uh, person that ran the department left. It's not like they chose to get rid of it, but the person that ran the department left and they've just chosen not to rehire the position and the department. So and that's your biggest weakness, right? It's like, <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, they're physically prepared and, you know, it's, it's more of a mental thing and just going out and executing. And how do you hit that home? I I, I don't have a good answer. You think Utah would have been up for that game. It was a top 20 point opponent on the road. Um, and to see it, to see him come out as flat on the defensive side was, was pretty frustrating. Well, and I think you hit it right there on the head, right? Like a lot of people, they want to look at the physical side of a sport, especially in football where that, that dominates, right? Like you, you, you've got the pads hitting and everything, but the mental side in, in, in any sport is, is one of the biggest things like with, I, I, I teach my kids or I coach my kids in baseball and baseball is a very mental sport, right? Like there's a lot that goes into that, that you have to be right in your head and, and you have to be able to, to, to do well that way. And I think there's, there's a lot that goes unnoticed behind the scenes in that regard, right? Like these guys still had two teammates that died over the last two years, right? Last year, I think a lot of that was able to be able to rally around and say, Hey, we've got this. And and everybody was kind of fighting and pulling in the same direction that momentum builds and everything that works that way. But now you're, you're absent that, right? Like they're still, they're still gone on, obviously like they're still in their memories, but you don't have that one unifying thing that, that, that has happened to you as a collective to kind of unify you now. And so now when the adversity struck, you know, you lose to, to Florida and yeah, you're, you're building up and you're doing whatever. Now you, you lose to UCLA and things aren't feeling that way. Like anybody in that stadium could feel that this wasn't turning Utah's side. That's where that, that mental side of the game, you know, really checks in, right? You have to be mentally sound and be able to do it you may know the playbook left and right and backwards and forwards and all that other stuff. And you're going to make mistakes, right? We, we saw last year, Utah made a mistake in, in putting out that flea flicker that cam ran at USC and it ended up being the best thing that happened for them. Things happen. Plays are different, right? Like you make a mistake, but the problem is, is you're, you're not being able to get to the same cohesive play that, that kind of what helped them last season, right? There's something missing from this team. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a mental aspect, right? I think that's an aspect of it, but I think they're not really playing together as a team because there's a lot of different things happening right now, and you've got to find a unifying force to be able to get there, right? You you have an, an offense that's going out there and they're fighting, right? Like they're not perfect at times in the schemes. We could talk about how frustrating that is for a lot of people to watch how Andy has kind of done things that way, but for the most part, the offense is doing what it needs to. But then you see the defense giving up everything on the other side of the ball. And not to mention you've got a special teams unit that is completely just botching everything. You can't get a touchback. You're giving up big yards. I mean, so when I wrote that article talking about the special team specifically, there were two scenarios where where uh, UCLA had big gains on a return, right? One got them into Utah's 48-yard line. So midfield, that's a huge field opportunity. You now just have to go 48 yards to be able to score a touchdown, which UCLA did. Then another time, Utah let them get to the 39. Now, that's not as costly, but that's still pretty deep into your own or, or into the territory that you want to give up. The thing is, Utah in one of those scenarios was four points away from, from being, or they're down four on that first one. The next one, they were down three. Those things completely change the momentum of the game, and instantly UCLA goes up by 10. That's what's really difficult here is you're seeing these different things that are happening, right? And so one can't work with each other and just say, okay, this is what happens. Like for so many years, it was the defense was just lights out. They'd go out there and they'd get a three and out and do all this stuff. The offense would go out there, they'd get a three and out, and then they'd botch it, right? And it was like, great, our defense needs some rest in that. 
this is that same scenario, right? You need to have that where everybody is working in unison as best as they possible, okay, right? Like UCLA is still a good team. They're the factor in here. But that's what's missing here is they're, they're not all working in unison and they're all in, in, in disarray and it's, it's not working, right? And, and that, that's what I think it has a lot of people really cautious about this week. Can they beat a USC team? 100%. They have the personnel to do it. But they have to play beyond just the physical aspect of it, right? That mental aspect has to be there. And that's where we're kind of seeing the game change for the youth so far. Right. So right, let's flip it over to the offensive side, because I think that this is this is very interesting. So you look at the stat comparison, because, I mean, you would say that Utah, uh, I mean, if you if you were to watch that game, just based on the flow of the game, you felt like Utah, they didn't get blown out, but it was a, a, a convincing win for UCLA. Sure. But when you look at the stats, you, it, it, they're almost identical. I mean, total yards, 479 to 502, rushing 192 to 203. Passing 287 to 299. Utah was right there. The difference is that Utah had the ball four times inside the UCLA 30-yard line and came away with three points on four of those drives. I mean, that those four possessions are the difference in the game. Even if you just get field goals on all of them, that's that's an extra nine points. You lost by 10. You know, so, and so it, it was a one point UCLA win at that point, right? I mean, even if you just kicked field goals, I, I mean, so Utah on the flip side um, gave up six touchdowns and no field goals, you know, and they had the one late touchdown. So it, it, it seems like offensively, I feel like they're doing enough. Uh, they just need to clean up the red zone execution. Like, I, I mean, if, if we see another failed third and short and fourth and short, I may, I've already shaved my head. I have no hair to pull out, so I don't know what I'm going to do. But th- that's one of the most frustrating things with this Utah offense is can you not just go under center? Like, wh- I mean, I want you to ask Kyle Winningham if that ever happens. Like, <laughs> what, like every other team from Little League to the NFL runs a quarterback sneak, and we're running it out of the shotgun or we're, we're handing it off five yards in the back. Like, wh- what's the deal? Why what's why have we abandoned the quarterback sneak? That's that's all I want to know. We haven't seen a successful quarterback sneak since, well, man, Urban Meyer was head coach. It's just not in their repertoire, apparently. No. I mean, I don't know. I the, mean, the every thing, other team can figure it out. The you thing need is, a, though. I mean, you, you have a 230-pound quarterback. You have a really good offensive line that's that's really rated well. Uh, as far as uh, pro football, uh, so pro football focus anyway. So I mean, just get the yard. And anyway, um, red zone offense is going to be uh, absolutely critical because uh, USC is going to put up points, and <laughs> Utah is going to have to match it, especially if they can't figure it out from a defensive side. And this this is one of the, one of those games coming into the USC, and we'll give our preview later. This is one of those games that. It could be 49 to 46 because Utah can't get a stop on defense. Absolutely. Or it could be 14 to 10 for all we know, just like how it was for uh, USC when they went up to Corvallis. I mean, it all depends on what team shows up. You know, does Utah really want this? Is this a must win game? We'll talk about it later, but um, that's kind of my focus anyway on on, uh, what's going to happen. For me, like, I. I think the difference for this offense, and, and we don't need to belabor this point, right? Like we, we get it. We can move on and we can we can do it. But I think the difference with this offense is it's not in the same dynamic approach that they had last year, right? Like when Utah went on the field on offense, you knew that they were going to score that drive, right? Like, sure, were they going to score every drive? No, but there was this confidence on the team that they knew that they could go out there and they were going to run the ball. They were going to pass the ball. They were going to do whatever they needed to. Right now, you don't get that, right? Like, I, I, I think you look at the team and you still think that offense is, is effective. They can do it. You know, Cam is always going to put them in a position to succeed. Clearly, with Tavion running, you know, 10 yards, basically every touch that he had, it felt like they were doing okay there. The problem is, is they don't think they have enough of, of everything mixed together, right? They keep trying these passes down the field on the sidelines, and those haven't been really working. They haven't really gotten Dalton available. They haven't really had anything in the middle of the field. And, and, and so you're, you're getting these things that aren't really working in unison with each other, right? You've got, okay, now we're going to pass, and that pass didn't work. Okay, now we're going to run a screenplay, and that maybe picked up three yards or whatever that may be. It, it, it's just not all – it doesn't seem like it's all working together in a way that is helping Utah advance the ball, right? And I think that's the difference this year with Utah is they still have the same players. They have Yeah, Brant's gone. Like, you, you can't, you know – 
can't do anything with that. Britton Covey's not on the team anymore, so you can't have that reliability there either. But they're, they're not even really scheming it in a way that's going to work. Money Parks is open a lot. He's a quick guy. Like, scheme towards him if Devon Vele can't get it, right? You've got to be able to do these things to be able to help Utah move the ball. And I just don't it, – it, it just feels really vanilla despite how well Utah has been at being able to get – their offense going. And so it it just, I I think Utah needs to find a spark that way, because I think honestly, if the team can find one of these, these facets of the game, whether it be defense, special teams, offense, one of them that's just just clicking on all cylinders, I think that's going to roll over on all the other aspects of the team, right? The problem is it just feels so difficult for Utah to try to get anything on offense as well because it's just not really in unison, right? And I know Andy Ludwig schemes to different things that will work later in the game, but the reality is is those things haven't really worked because, as you mentioned, you get into the red zone and nothing happens, right? They're struggling to be able to get there, and it's a turnover, or you know, there's, there's something happens where you have to settle for a field goal. They didn't have to settle for that, but it, it, it just feels disjointed to me. I completely agree. And uh, there, there, there's two two ways to fix it, right? One is you get the home run ball, right? Utah has been lacking in the chunk plays. Uh, specifically, I mean, you look at UCLA and how easily they were able to move the ball down the field. It's easy to move the ball when you're getting 40 yards of play, you know, on some of those drives. You get 40 yards, well, that's like four first downs in comparison when Utah's getting, um, you know, three yards of play. I mean, that, that's potentially like up to 12 plays <laughs> when you're, when you're going first down, second down, third down for, you know, four different times, Utah just needs to be able to, to get some more chunk yardage and you, you have talented receivers. Hopefully Solomon Enos is able to go this week. Um, you know, you, you've got Devon Bailey who, you know, he, he had a you know, solid game, six catches for 87 yards last week against UCLA. You've got Dalton Kincaid. You still have a really good tight end. You know, yeah, you you lost Brent Keithy. That sucks, but you still have a, another good weapon. Money Parks, Micaiah Cope. You know, we saw some some glimpses of what they can do. They just need to touch the ball more. Same with Jalen Dixon. Um, he needs more than one or two touches a game. Uh, so finding a way for that to happen, um, just to kind of flow the offense. It, it just seems like. You know, it, disjointed is probably the best term because Utah was getting you know five to seven yards of carry. And all of a sudden you, you try some, you know, pass or reverse or, you know, things were going so well and then you go away from it. And then, you know, all it takes is one play. You're behind the chains second and 15. I'm not very confident you yeah. know, that Utah's going to be able to convert on the flip side, UCLA faced third and 15 or plus a few times and got it almost every time. So, um, you know, th- th- those are the the differences between a win and a loss. Those, you know, those long conversions are, are a backbreaker. And Utah wasn't able to get enough pressure on Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And if they can't figure it out this week, uh, and then let's just jump right into our USC preview, uh, they're going to have a field day. I mean, you, the Trojans are going to have a field day because Caleb Williams, in my opinion, is a better quarterback than DTR. Ooh, um, he's, ooh. He, he, That's good. Uh, That's a fun debate right there. I mean, it, it, it's a debate worth having, though. Yeah, I, I, mean, think, I think he's a true he, passer. He, yes, I, I, I think look, Caleb does. I, I look at Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I think he's very good. I'm not trying to take away anything from him. But he's had four years to kind of learn, almost five, sure. if you take away the red shirt, five years to learn under Chip Kelly at, U, at UCLA, right, to kind of grow, groom and mentor and kind of see the offense. And now we're kind of seeing the, the results of that where they're finally opening up the full playbook for Chip Kelly. Um, whereas... Uh, you, I mean, see, you watch some of these throws that uh, Caleb Williams is making. Oh, like yeah. He's he's pumping, uh, doing a pump fake to get the guy to jump. He's twisting his body, and you know, it's a, it's almost like a, a mix of uh, like Brett Favre and Patrick Mahomes. It's like it's it's unreal to to watch, and uh, the windows that he's throwing to. Granted, if you had you know four and five star wide receivers like I could be throwing to him not to take anything away from Caleb Williams he's very good but they have tremendous talent I want to see this yeah. <laughs> you want to see me out there I'll, I'll hey, go I, I used to play flag football I'll go uh, kick field goals apparently because Kyle wants me to kick field goals and you can go be the quarterback so I mean this is going to be this is, let, let's start here is this a must-win game for Utah I okay I think it's a must-win game in in the respect that if you really want to be able to get to the Pac-12 championship 100%, this is a must-win game. Every game is a must-win at this point. Is it a must-win 
in terms of what, right? Like, I, I think that's that's where it comes down to it. I, I think this is a, is a very difficult game for Utah, and it's, it's hard to say that this is a must-win in terms of just being able to be successful this year. Utah can lose this game and still have a successful season. It's not going to be a championship, right? It's not going to be able to to be in that same vein as the last few seasons. Um, and, and, and so I guess it just depends on, on your take on, on what is success this year. Now, granted, based on the expectations that were put on this team, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's not going to be successful. But, it, you know, I, I think putting a ton of pressure on the team uh, in this respect that it's a must-win game is difficult. But the reality is there, right? Like, I mean, if you don't win this game, you're playing for middle of the pack, right? Like, there's nothing there's nothing glorious about where you're going to be. Even if you find a way to finish third in the conference, you still finished outside of the Pac-12 championship, right? And so that's that's where this becomes. Like, now... Yeah, you have a bye week after this, but like, what does that do for the psyche? Right now, you've lost the big games that you can't do. Your your goals as a team are essentially over, and so now you're just playing to make sure that you get bowl eligibility. And then, what does that mean, right? Like, bowls bowls have their meaning, but at the same time, they don't have the same meaning that they used to maybe ten years ago. And so, no, no, if, if you you can thank the college football playoff for that, absolutely. And I and I don't disagree with it, right? Like, I think it's better, you know, to have that type of environment. But I think that's the, the thing, like, right? Like if Utah still really feels like it wants to maintain its goals and feel like they have a shot at at least something at the end of the year, yes, then it's a must-win game. And I think that that puts a lot of pressure on Utah, and, and there should be, right? Like you don't just get to skate by and, and, and do all this. But the reality is, is these teams have become better this year, right? Like last year, Utah had a much bigger margin of error to be able to work with, whereas this year, every game now from this leg forward – it's going to be a must win game, right? Like now, if you lose one of these games that, that takes it away, but like you have to then win all of these games barring UCLA, USC or Oregon slipping up along the way. I don't know. Well, it, am I wrong in how I think, or, or it, no. is that how you feel? No, that you're absolutely right. This is a must win game for, for the team that the expectation was, you know, a, a playoff contender, you know, they were penciled in as potentially a dark horse being, you know, a top 10 team. And we haven't seen that, especially on the defensive side. So it's it's unfortunate, but that's the position that Utah's in. Uh, it, it's a must-win game for USC, too, and I'll tell you why. Um, USC's playing for, all of a sudden for that playoff contention. They keep winning, and they're going down in the rankings, you know? Yeah, no, so you're right. not only do they need to win, they need to win quite convincingly, in my opinion, if they want to continue to be in the playoff hunt. Um, you know, so because well, they haven't beaten have, anybody, that's the I think reality they only have of it. one. They only have one more game, really, uh, of note, and that's against uh, UCLA. Uh, I mean, their schedule is pretty much over. They they miss Oregon. Um, let's see who else they miss. They still have Notre Dame schedule. on there, but that's not going to be as viewed as as like years past, right? It's still a good no. game. No, so I mean, you have yeah, I mean that could be. So Notre Dame may have turned a corner. They just beat a really good BYU team in Vegas. So. Maybe Notre Dame's kind of figured it out with their backup quarterback. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, okay, so they, they have uh, at Arizona, okay, at uh, home versus Cal, home versus Colorado, and then at UCLA. They have one more game on their schedule. I mean, yeah, you, especially you win this, in, in you're basically in the conference. championship in my eyes, right? Yeah. yeah. So you could you so, could still go lose to UCLA in the last game of your, your you know, conference season. And still make it to the championship because that's your one loss, right? Like you're fine. You're, you're absolutely fine. And that's why, like you said, this is a must win game for them. Right. So for Utah, um, it's going to come down to, I think let's boil it down to like three keys. The first thing is you got to take care of the football. Um, Costly turnovers are going to be double against a prolific offense. And we saw it. Um, where, you know, Utah committed a costly turnover a couple of times, UCLA converted into touchdowns. It's going to be the same thing for USC. I mean, you can't, you can't give them short fields. You can't give them momentum. You got to be able to at least hold your own. And yeah, you're not going to get points every possession. That just doesn't happen, but that's when special teams becomes a factor. Um, you know, can Utah control the field position in general? And that's that's an interesting thing because they haven't been able to get the touchbacks. USC just has as, as much of prolific returners as U, UCLA does. Uh, what does Utah do to to come back that? Do you just start kicking the ball out of bounds and say, you know what, to heck with it. We're going to give you the ball at the 35. Like, we're not, we're not even going to try. You might as well, uh, I don't honestly. Um, so we'll see. 
the second thing is they need to control the big plays. Uh, if you can force USC to 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 make those smaller uh, smaller checkdowns, like you basically take the game plan that Oregon State had against them. Mm-hmm. I mean that that seemed to work, and, and, and Oregon State threw four interceptions in that game, and yet they only lost by three. Um, and it was a game that was very winnable for the Beavers. So their defense has, was sound, though. That's the that's the yeah, difference, their right? Their defense is sound. That's the difference, and, and and that's where it comes in. It, can Utah limit the the big plays? Because if Addison's getting you know two touches and he's getting forty to fifty yards a touch, I mean it, it's going to be a long night for for Morgan Scally and Utah's defense. So being able to contain them and kind of force them into making mistakes, you know, and it's easier said than done, but if you can get USC into third and long and maybe they, you know, Caleb feels a little bit more confident and he's thrown it into double coverage, maybe you're able to get a tip pass and an interception and that can turn the momentum into your favor. Uh, the third thing is they, they need, they need the Tavion Thomas of last season. And I know that he, he was a little bit out of shape last season or last week uh, specifically against UCLA and, we don't know exactly why or what, uh, but he's had he's going through something. Uh, it sounds like he's he's getting better and he's getting um, the trust of his teammates. And Utah needs that that beast mentality where you are just they know the defense knows what's coming and they still can't stop it. Mm-hmm. That's the Tavion that we saw last season, and we really haven't seen it uh, minus the second half of maybe the the Florida game. We really haven't seen it this season. So can we get back to that where Utah is able to control the game and really limit the number of touches that USC's offense gets? And what do you think? I, you know, I agree with everything you said. And the one thing that I'd add, and it's going to be very, you know, coach speak cliche ish is that they have to be assignment sound and you have to have that accountability, right? They have to on all aspects of the game, right? This isn't just a defense and, and, and that's the area where it probably matters the most but everybody has to be doing exactly what they need to do, right? If the play call says this, they have to be able to be dialed into that or else they're going to be in a world of hurt, right? It, it doesn't right. matter. You know, the, the thing is you can get beat if you're still assignment sound, right? Like that's fine. That's, I, I always tell my kids when they, they play a game, like I'm fine losing a game if the other team was just simply better. Right. And that, and that's the, that's fine. Right. The, the, the hard part is watching a team that just is in disarray that has no idea what's going on and I think that's the difference here is they need to be able to be assignment sound and they need somebody on that team, whether it's one person on defense telling the defense, you know, is it cam rising, whatever it may be, they need to hold these guys accountable, right? And make sure that they're doing it, right? This, this can't be something where you can continue to mess up and continue to do this. Somebody on that sideline, not counting a coach because the coaches can say this, but somebody has to take accountability on their shoulders and really own it for the team. That's what Devin Lloyd did. That's what a lot of these other veteran leaders did. You need that. And if you can't get that, this is going to be a far different season for Utah. They're going to still win some games and they're still going to be able to be bowl content, you know, eligible, but this is where you kind of have to establish. Does Utah wilt under pressure? Are they not the team that was able to really live up to their expectations? Or are they the team that's going to say, okay, last week was an aberration. You know, we screwed up. This is what we need to do. If you can't get any of that, I, I don't know what to tell you, right? This, to me, this game is going to tell us more about a Utah team than any other game this season. And it's an opportunity for them to be able to really show what they've learned from last week, right? It was easy to say, okay, we learned this from Florida and then had four games in between it where you dominated a team, but those were, you know, bad teams necessarily. I mean, Oregon State's not whatever. You can say whatever that, but comparatively, you, you know, you, you didn't need to be able to do this. Now you've got to be able to do it in a week's time and hold each other accountable. So to me, I would just add that. Just be assignment sound, you know, be accountable to each other and just go out there and ball. You got a prediction for Saturday? Ah, I don't know, man. I'm still waffling on this one. You know, it, the thing is, if if Utah's defense actually plays to the level of what we think they have, I think Utah can be in this game and win it, right? Vegas is picking Utah. Yeah, they picked Utah last last week. I, I, I see that, that Utah has the potential and then they can do it. So in one vein, I really see it. Probably when it comes down to it, when I make my picks, I'll probably have USC. I, I can't say for sure. But I think Utah has to play a far more complete game to be able to win this game. So uh, until that happens, you know, I I think this is still USC's game to win. How about you? I I agree with you. And I'll I'll add that 
the the biggest frustration is the the week one issues against Florida resurfaced again, which either means that they never went away um, or they went away only because you were playing inferior opponents. So that's that's a cause for concern when you're playing a very, very, very good team at home. I, I, I do think that Utah can win this. And I do think that they, you know, with a hostile Rice Cycles crowd um, can, can get some momentum and, you know, and, and go toe-to-toe with the USC. I'm not thinking that they're going to get the doors blown off. It's just we haven't seen – and we, we're here in week seven, and we haven't seen those issues corrected. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I probably – I haven't put my pick in yet, but I'm probably leaning uh, for USC on this one. And so um, we'll see. It, it's it, it's kind of like a, a roller coaster of emotions if you're a Utah fan because going into the season – you know, ever since the Rose Bowl, you were counting down the days to, to the Florida game. And then it was kind of a gut punch to, to watch that game and the way that it turned out when you were so close, right? Like one play, one play away from, from winning the game. And I, 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 and I love the, the, the play call. I love everything about it. I, you, play, you play to win the game, right? Mm, like, absolutely. You, you could have kicked a field goal, could have gone to overtime, but the way your, your defense was playing, uh, the smart choice is to, you know, the way that your offense was playing was to, to go for the touchdown. And it's unfortunate that the way it turned out and, you know, Utah recovered over the next few weeks, largely due to inferior opponents. But we thought that, you know, you know, okay, this is, you know, they, they, they lost their, their first game, but they've kind of turned a corner and yet you know, they, those same issues resurfaced against, uh, you know, a very good UCLA team. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it's only one week difference, but uh, it sure feels like the season has, has taken a, a pretty prolific turn and, you know, for, uh, for Utah fans staying there because this, this is still a good team. Sure. Um, they just, they, they're just, like you said, they're just out of position in, in, in opportune times. I mean, if you commit roughing the passer on first down, it's, it's almost like, okay, whatever, you know, it's just like a completed catch. You complete, you, you do it on a third down when he throws the ball away. It's almost like a turnover. Uh, and you, Multiply that by a costly red zone interception, uh, a costly fourth and one fumble where you picked up the first down, but then you fumbled it. <laughs> and granted, the game was probably still over at that point, but still, um, it, those those few things uh, were enough to swing a game, uh, and that was on the road. So there is there is there is hope for for Utah fans. I, I encourage you to go to Rice Echoes. Uh, it's going to be a blackout. And they're going to wear custom helmets that are pretty cool. You can see him on social media. Josh, I think, has retweeted that. Mm-hmm. You can follow him at JFERKSL on Twitter. Um, but it, it's going to be a, a very awesome environment. And I hope that the team shows up and, and uh, you know, plays their best. Because when they do, the the, the, the sky's the limit for this team. They, they, they have the talent. They just needs to put it all together. No, I, you're absolutely right. And in, in my mind, I've already kind of... Uh, viewed this team as kind of maybe the 2017, 2018 seasons where, you know, they're close, they're good. Um, they have the talent, but they're not maybe as good as that 2019 year team, which, which is hard because you've got guys on offense that could very well leave this year. And, and, you know, you're not syncing up at the same time, but I I think it's easy to kind of see this team in in a, a scenario where they're not quite to where we thought they would be, at least in how they're able to play on the field and, and maybe they're one year away from, from being back to where they need to be. So it'll be interesting, but let's, let's uh, jump into some of the other games around the league this week. Um, we have a, a bunch of games that we're, we're looking at for KSL's KSL.com's college football pick them. Um, so you can go ahead and, and uh, vote on the, or pick these games. I guess you should say not vote. I guess you could vote. I don't know how you would, but <laughs> well, let's, let's start with you. So Arkansas okay. is favored by one and a half against BYU in Provo. How do you see this one going down? Oh man. Like that, that environment down in Provo is always electric. They've, they've done a really good job of enhancing game day vibes, right? I guess you could say it's a day game. So it's going to be a little different, um, but I, I just, I don't know. Like I've, I was really high on BYU this year and I, I'm just losing a lot of hope, uh, in, in kind of how BYU's made up this year. They're not doing, I guess it's in a lot of ways like Utah, right? Like they're not doing what, what I think everybody expected them to be. Um, Arkansas in its own right is, is having some struggles. They've, they've haven't been able to be as effective as they were when they were ranked pretty high. They're favored by one and a half points in this game. 
as of this moment, you know, I, I think I'm picking the SEC school, not because they're from the SEC. I just think that Arkansas has more going for it right now than BYU does. BYU is in a very similar situation to Utah where they have a lot of mistakes. They have a lot of things that they need to fix. They have a lot of injuries actually on BYU side that that's really hampering their season. So uh, for that, for that reason, I'd, I'd probably lean on Arkansas at this point. Arkansas has lost three in a row. You know, this is, this is a team that's reeling and, and, and BYU is, it's really in a different way. I, I feel like uh, their fans kind of thought that the, uh, the trip to Vegas was going to go differently. Uh, the way that the game played out. I mean, um, credit to Marcus Freeman. Like that was a heck of a game plan. Like hold the ball for 41 minutes and really limit the number of chances that uh, BYU was able to to have with the football and some questionable play calling on, on fourth and short where you've got a really good running back that was in the groove and you give it to somebody else. And, you know, you know, BYU was right there to, to regard. Like, I mean, it's kind of like the Utah game where, uh, as bad as BYU played, they were right there. So I, I see BYU getting the win at home against a team that uh, is kind of lost its course ever since. Uh, I think they they lost to Alabama, they lost to Mississippi State. But kind of the SEC toll, and then you have to go and face a, a, a BYU team that's that's going to be angry. I feel like and and trying to kind of get back into the top twenty five. So that that one's going to be a fun game. I think that that one's going to split our staff picks. Uh, probably right down the middle. I think that we'll probably see a good um, selection there. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, Arkansas has the talent. They have SEC speed. <laughs> I'd work that in there. But, you, uh, to, you right? know, BYU's, BYU's a good team, and I, I can see uh, Kalani Sataki coming up with a good game plan. But uh, if they don't, I mean, if the, if the ails of what, you know, plagued them against Notre Dame don't get corrected, then it could be a long night um, so, or a long afternoon, I guess we'll, we should say. Uh, the next game on our schedule is number three, Alabama, uh, seven and a half point favorites at number six, Tennessee. Hendon Hooker or uh, who's the quarterback for Alabama? Didn't he get hurt? Yeah, he's, he's hurt. So yeah, so that, that, that's the tough one right here, right? It's like, I, I hate betting against Alabama because they're always just consistently finding ways to be able to really just get it done. Right. Like they, it's not that they're, they're perfect and they have a, you know, winning seasons every, I mean, they have winning seasons. I, I, I should say like they don't have undefeated seasons every year for me though. I I'm really buying into uh, this Tennessee team. I really love what Hendon Hooker's doing. This, this is Hendon Hooker is playing the game. Like I felt like cam rising was playing last year, right? Where there was a lot of swagger to the game. There's a lot of confidence and this team is really rolling. I, I, I really like what Tennessee's doing. It's a home game. That place is going to be electric with a hundred thousand fans screaming at Alabama. I mean, like, come on that. How can you not love college football in that environment? For me, you know, even if I was picking the spread here, like I'm still taking Tennessee on this. I think Tennessee just has a lot more momentum on their side. I think they're they're doing a lot of great things. We don't know if Bryce Young is going to play for Alabama. Um, even if he does, that's going to be a very difficult game. I think if he does play, that that changes it a little bit, and I think Alabama could win. But I just I, I don't know. I love what Tennessee's doing right now. I like what what where their the direction their program's going. And so for me, I'm I'm going to pick Tennessee. I think I think I am too. Uh, with the, with the caveat, if if Bryce Young's able to go, I I may flip it back to Bama because uh, there's a reason why he won the Heisman Trophy last season. You know, he can put the team on his back, do all that he needs to, and that defense is nasty. But if you're if you're going to throw out a, a freshman quarterback against that Tennessee defense, man, <laughs> that's going to be a long day for Alabama. Especially, I mean, you look at how. Alabama fared against Texas, right? You know, Texas was controlling that game up until uh, their quarterback got knocked out. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, that That's going to be an interesting game. And I feel like, uh, you know, if I was uh, to pick right now, uh, I haven't put my picks in, but I'd probably lean towards Tennessee. Uh, next up is number 15, NC State at number 18, Syracuse. Syracuse is favored by three and a half. This, this one's tough for me because I think North Carolina State's probably the better team. Um, they're not favored to win, but I, I think they're the better team. But the problem is, is I believe their quarterback, I haven't I haven't looked a ton on this one, Devin Leary, he is injured, um, or at least he's hampered by injury. So I don't know if he's going to be at full capacity. Uh, to, to me, I think NC State is probably the more well-rounded team. I think they've probably got the, the better opportunity to win. 
Syracuse has done a really good job. They haven't really played anybody this year. I mean, they ha- they have, don't get me wrong, but it hasn't been like this gauntlet of a schedule and, and Syracuse has just run through it. So for me, you know, I, depending QB play, I, I do think that the NC State uh, team is probably better. They're more complete. They, they've got a great opportunity on their hands, and it's a road environment. I know that's, that's difficult, especially if things aren't going well. Um, but for me, I, I, I just see them as, as the more complete team here and, and beating Syracuse. It, it, this is going to be one of those games. It's going to be like seven to ten. Like both of these teams. <laughs> this is Iowa. Think it's Rob, like, I, I think that I think they're both one and two. Uh, yeah, they're they're first and second in scoring defense. This is going to be a tough, hard nosed game. Where if yeah, it's going to be like watching an Iowa game where you're going to you know get a couple of field goals and that, and that may be it. So I want multiple this safeties. A, this is going to be one of those slugfest games. If if I was to pick. Uh, I would probably lean towards Syracuse just having it be at home, um, but I wouldn't. I, I, yeah, I'm not going to pick more than you know maybe like 17 to 14 or, you know, uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game, but you know, you you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like when you think it's going to be low scoring, it ends up being 50 to 47. So it'll well, be. You don't bet, uh, kids. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> uh, next up is. Uh, in uh, Fort Collins, Utah State at Colorado State. Utah State favored by 11. Colorado State coming off its first win of the season. But Utah State is also finding some momentum with Cooper Liga. Who do you got here? Uh, this is how I, I view the game. If Utah State loses this game, they shouldn't even try for the rest of the season. Colorado State <laughs> is a bad team, right? Like, you, you can be upset about losing to Weber State, and, and, and that's hard. But Weber State is a phenomenal team. They're 5-0 and going for 6-0. and They've been a top-tier FCS team for the last few years under Jay Hill. That's not anything to be disappointed at. You're, you're seeing teams like James Madison, who is ranked for the first time in their FBS career, they were an FCS team a few years ago. Like these teams are still good, right? Like, so it's, it's not something to be upset about necessarily, but Colorado state is bad. And if Utah state can't find a way to go into Fort Collins and, and kind of show that they can build upon what they did last week, I, I just don't know if there's any hope for Utah state. So in my eyes, this is all Utah state. I think they would have to have multiple turnovers, just really look like a terrible team out there for Colorado state to win this game. I, I don't even think it's close quite honestly. Yeah, and, and it was the Air Force game last season that really turned the tide for the Aggies. Um, and we can, well, I think that we're seeing the same thing again this season, where that was a very good win for Utah State last week. Um, Colorado State got 14 of its points last week in a win over Nevada on the defensive end with a with a pick six and a fumble return for uh, fumble recovery, where the, the Nevada player literally just threw the ball in the air trying to to lateral it to to the back to the quarterback and. The Colorado State guy ended up returning at 50 yards for a touchdown. So as long as you just don't play like out of you know um, out of context and should just try to do too much, so like just take care of business. This should be an easy win for the Aggies, and I think that they would easily beat that 11 point spread. I'd almost think that they they would cover anything more upwards of 20 points. I think that this is a this is a blowout win for for Utah State, and really. Uh, gives them gets them back on track in the Mountain West. I feel like uh, it was a rough stretch. You could, uh, m- you know, make the argument that they played Bonner hurt too long, and you know that may have cost them some games. But uh, that's good to see him back on track. So the last game, of course, is obviously number seven USC at number twenty Utah. Utes are currently favored by three and a half. So the home field advantage definitely coming through there. Um, it's going to be a night game, national TV. We've kind of already given you our picks, but any last thoughts on the game that you have, or or anything else uh, via the the Pac-12 or any other games? Yeah, you want for, to talk about for for this one specifically. I think that night environment with Rice Eccles Stadium hopping that's going to be something that we should factor in, right? I think this is a very difficult uh, a stadium for teams to come into, and it's it's been one for USC outside of that twenty twenty year and and a couple others. Utah's done really well against USC at Rice Eccles Stadium. So as much as, you know, I think that Utah has to be this this better team, I, I you know, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that Utah finds a way to be able to win this game with the crowd, with the environment, just what's at stake. Uh, you know, this is this is the game that everybody's had circled for, you know, since the beginning of the season. So if you can't get hyped up for this game, I don't know what to do for you. But 
Um, I like I said, I I still think USC's probably f- you know the one to win this game, but I. You know, by the time I make my picks tonight, there's a chance that I might swing to Utah. Convince me, people. Convince me. Hit him up on Twitter. You can find him at JFurKSL. You can read his stuff on KSL.com. That's Josh Furlong. I'm Robert Jackson. You've been listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. We'll hit you up next week with Utah wide receiver Solomon Enos, and hopefully be talking about a big win against USC. We'll catch you next time.